If you have a Bible, let's go somewhere. Let's go somewhere. <laughs> Where are we going to go? Uh, somewhere like... You can go to Romans 8. Yeah, we're going to go to Romans 8. We'll start there. Dad, we give you this moment. We, I just pray your word would come forth this morning in life and love and liberty, Lord. Um, yeah, we, we stand in awe of your word. We think about the fact that, Jesus, you actually hold the world together by your mighty word. And it's that same word that we're going to look at this morning. It has the power to hold our lives together, to pull our lives together, to order our lives, to structure our lives, to propel us forward in our destinies and in our callings. And, and Lord, I just lean on you and you, Holy Spirit, alone this morning and not on any flesh or anything of my mind or will or any sort of gift or anything but you, Lord Jesus. May you come and may you speak. Holy Spirit, may you have your way this morning. We really want you. We know you when we want you. We love what you have and what you are and what you mean to us is, is everything. You are of ultimate value to us this morning, more than anything that we own or could have in this world. God, it's you. Amen. Amen. Romans 8.14 uh, is where we're going to start this morning. We've been talking about the breath of God. And this morning I want to talk about uh, what a spirit-filled life looks like. It's been a, it's been a wonderful journey the last couple of weeks just talking about the breath of breath of God, when we've been, really been talking about the, the Spirit of God and what the Spirit of God is to us and what He means to us and how, um, how it's so important that we hunger for the Spirit of God, that we give the Spirit of God place in our lives. So I want to talk about what a Spirit-filled life looks like. I'm hoping to give you a little snapshot of what, what is possible, where, of having, what kind of life is possible to us when we, when we have the Spirit of God. All the way through the series, I've just been insulting you. Um, I've just been telling you what's possible and how amazing the Spirit of God is and, and, and just kind of opening your eyes to the understanding of, of what could happen in your life when the Spirit gets a hold of you, when the Spirit blows through your life. And, and I hope that, you know, the whole goal of all of this is really just that you would start to hunger for the Spirit of God, that you would start to create space in your life for God's Spirit. Um, and, um, and I pray that that continues as we go this morning. So Romans 8, 14 says the following. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Can you say that scripture this morning? For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Awesome stuff. All who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And what the scripture is really saying to us this morning is this, is that you never more like your Father in heaven, than when you are being led by the Spirit of God. When you are led by God's Spirit, you become like the you are like the Son of God on earth. You the the when you are led by the Spirit, you are reflecting Him in this world. It's easy in this world to be led by your fears. It's easy in this world to be led by your hurts to be led by emotions, by anger. It's easy to be led by the crowd, to go along with the crowd, to do what the crowd does. Um, and we have to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. That God's Spirit is what leads us in our life. That we're not led by our emotions. That we're not led by our ambitions or our selfishness or our imagination of what life could be or what everybody's saying is cool to be. But that the leading role, the, what governs us and guides us in our lives is the Spirit of God. And when we are led by the Spirit of God, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. It's like you show God when you are led by the Spirit of God. You have the opportunity to show God to this world. You have the opportunity to be God to this world when you are led by the Spirit of God. We don't see this in anyone else more like Jesus. You know, when he, was, he wasn't led by the crowds or anything, he was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to, to, face, to seek God and overcome the enemy. He was led by the Spirit to every town he went, every person we read about in the Gospels. It's like he instinctively knew where to be, with whom to be, in every page that we read about his life. And the result of that is that his life had tremendous impact. Tremendous impact. Why? Because he was spirit-led. When he spoke to crowds, the crowds marveled at this man. They said, where did he get this wisdom from? 
Isn't this Jesus? We've seen him grow up here. Isn't his brothers, his sisters are around us? Where did all this come from? Oh, and, and then we, we look at his, his character and his courage and how he showed tremendous character, tremendous courage in the face of such opposition and, and so many people attacking his life and his ministry and so much injustice around him. And yet he, he always showed this, this character. This, this, he never, he never sub, like went to the way of the world. He never sub, so like lowered the standard in any way. There was always this character coming out of him, this integrity coming out of him, this justice coming out of him, this courage coming out of him despite, you know, the disciples were afraid. He was not afraid. Where did he get such wisdom, such character, such courage, such boldness, such insight? Quite simply, he was led by the Spirit of God. And when he left and ascended into heaven, he said, it's better that I go because I'm going to pray the Father and he will send you the helper and he will send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, and he will be in you and he will be with you. And that's why it's better that I go. In other words, tag, you're it. You watched me do it. You saw how I led a spirit-filled life and a spirit-led life, and now it's your turn. I've made a way so that the Spirit of God can come onto you and in your life. You know, before that, we see it's only in God's grace that the Spirit came at particular moments in the Old Testament. It was never that, you know, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's like, you know, it can't dwell with sinful man. And so Jesus had to go to the cross, pay the price for us, and go down into the, to hell, conquer the enemy, lead captivity captive, to rescue all those who are in Abraham's bosom, ascend into heaven, and then send us the Spirit. He had to go through all of that, qualifying us so that we could have what he called the gift of the Holy Spirit. He described it as, as a gift. I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Life as you know it is going to be completely different because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he will be in you, through you. And everything that you've seen me do, you can even do more than that because he's coming into your life. And we should, we should look at that and go, oh, I'm so hungry for the, the Spirit of God, man. I need that Spirit. I need that wisdom. I need that courage. I need that character. I need that power that Jesus had. I need that in my life. And guess what? It's yours in Jesus' name. It's available to you. You can have that life. You can have that Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life. Jesus qualified us to have it. A Spirit-filled life is a beautiful life. It's a wonderful life. It's a courageous life. It's a powerful life. That's what a spirit-filled life is. You know, it was so, it's, it's so amazing that when David sinned, he, he cried out to God in repentance. And he said these words. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. He didn't say take not the kingdom from me. Take not my wealth from me. Take not anything else that I've ever accomplished. You know, because all of that really was on the line. His very life was actually on the line. He, he sinned uh, in, in such a way that he was deserving of death, actually. That was his sin. And so all of that was on the line. His kingdom, everything that he had worked for, built, created, structured, everything in his life. And he, his only cry to God in that moment was, Take not your spirit from me. Why? Why would that be the lonely cry? Well, because it's the most precious thing to, da to David. And we need to understand that. The most precious, the most preciousness thing about your life is that you can have the Holy Spirit with you. If you look at 1 Samuel 16, 13, it'll come up. It says this. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit... Can you read this with me? And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. This is the moment when he was just a boy. 
and, and Samuel came and anointed him, what happened in that moment was that the Spirit came mightily. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that moment. What happened in David's life after that moment? Well, whatever happened needs to be interpreted in the light of this moment right here. So he went there from there and he slayed Goliath as just a boy with five stones in a, in a slingshot, you know, when everybody else was like terrified and freaking out and the greatest warriors with all the armor and all the swords and everything. And there's this boy, the shepherd boy, no armor, just five stones and he takes this giant out. Thereafter, he subdued the Philistines. He established the kingdom. He established 24-7 praise, prayer, and worship unto God. And he even was able to honor Saul, though being persecuted by Saul. How was he able to do that? I, I read that story so many times, and I'm like, David, kill the guy. You know, like he came into the cave and he had the opportunity right there. I was like, David, you've got every license. Just... Take this guy out, man. He's a problem here, you know. But David wouldn't. Why? Because he was spirit-led. He was spirit-led. You see, sometimes when we're led by the Spirit, the world will be telling us to do things, and it makes complete sense to do this thing, but there's something inside of you that says, I can't do this thing. I can't do that thing. But it makes sense, and it's economic sense, and it's, it seems wise, and everybody else's, and what 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 No, but... Something, God's saying, no, can't take it, can't do that, I won't move, I won't do that, I won't, because I'm not led by everything else, I'm led by the Spirit of God. What would your life look like if you were to be spirit-filled and spirit-led? How would it be different? You know, sometimes we reduce the, the Spirit of God to, to talking in tongues, or to that refreshing feeling that we get when we listen to a sermon or worship or something like that. And really, it, it, you know, the Spirit of God is that. You know, He is a refreshing. He, he does refresh us. Um, specifically, it says that He comes to refresh us. You know, the times of refreshing come on us when the Spirit comes on us. And yes, He enables us to, to speak in tongues and tongues of angels. Isn't talking in tongues amazing? Yeah. Amazing gift. Awesome stuff. But, but w- let's not reduce him to just talking in tongues and a refreshing. He's way more than that. If you take a look at David's life, there was, he, there was everything. You know, it, was, it wasn't just it was going into battle. It was establishing the kingdom. It was, it was building God's kingdom on earth. It was character. It was wisdom. It was, it was so much more than just a refreshing. <laughs> feeling. And I I just want you to catch that this morning. I just want you to catch that life, as you know, it can be so different if you have a spirit-led, spirit-filled life. You know, last week we spoke about um, the the river of God. And remember we spoke about how it would get deeper and deeper as it, as it went along. And I was just, you know, it's, it's communicating us to, that there are levels of deepness that we can go. And uh, there are levels of being spirit-led. That's what I found. You know, there are levels of being spirit-led, led by God's spirit. It's, it's like, you know, you can you can have a, a you can have a inner direction from the Holy Spirit, but I want you to know that it can be deeper. It can actually be further. It can grow in your life. In fact, I want to say this: it's meant to grow in your life. It's meant to grow. If, 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 if anything that we're going to be growing in, in our walk with God, in character and whatever, in gifts or whatever, let us be growing in being spirit-led and spirit-filled. Because when we are spirit-filled and spirit-led, everything else <laughs> kind of comes in place. The character is there because He enables us to have the character. You know what I mean? So, so spirit-led must, it should be our goal. That in every, in every day that we're sitting before the Lord, Lord, I need your spirit today. And every moment that we can, we're making room for God's spirit to be on our life. And the Bible says that Jesus grew as a, as a young man as in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, in favor with man. He grew in favor with God. I want you to know this morning that you can grow in favor with God. And what that really means is you can grow in being spirit-led. You can grow in it. 
You're meant to grow in it. We're meant to have spirit-led lives. Can you know somebody and tell them you need to be spirit-led this morning? Come on. Tell them. I, I, I want to I kind of illustrate this this morning for us in a, in a, in a little bit of a crazy way. So I need, I need two donations this morning. I need two Bibles, big ones. Don't give me the little one. Who, who wants to loan? That's, that's okay. That's all right. We'll take... There's a good one there. Okay. Did you just volunteer your friend's Bible? <laughs> you did, eh? All right. Okay. And then I need... I need... Who's got good balance this morning? Who's got good balance? I can't ask. <laughs> Who's... She does. She has amazing balance. But let's have let somebody else have a turn, for sure. Who? Come on, come on. I need two volunteers this morning. Two volunteers this morning. You you can volunteer your friend as well. <laughs> Are you volunteering? Come on up, Diane. Okay. Who else is volunteering? Feel there's someone here. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Okay, cool. All right, come on over here, volunteers. All right. So, uh, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to have a little race. Okay? Here's your Bible. You get the, the peach one. You're going to be over here. And the idea is to balance this book on your head. Okay? And don't stay there. I'm going to go to the finish line this morning. And what I would like is, okay, I'm the, let's make the pole the finish line over here so we can, you can do the photo finish, all right, if we need it. All right. I would like you guys to, as a race this morning, you've got to get past this line first. On your marks, get set, go. The race is still on. Whoa! That was a photo finish. <laughs> Let's go upstairs for that one. Wow. Give the guy, give them a hand over there and from there. Um, that was actually a complete draw, all right? That was a complete draw, um, which is amazing, all right? But right, the reason why I'm showing you this like weird illustration this morning is I want to ask you this question. When they were walking, who was in charge, the book or them? The book. The book was in charge, hey? <laughs> the word was ruling, hey, in their lives, all right? The book was in charge. If the book moved, what did they have to do? They had to move, all right? They had to be sensitive to what the book was doing, all right? They had a goal. They knew where they were going, all right? But they couldn't just take off and go there, all right? Because they, the book could fall off, all right? So they had to be sensitive as they were going with the book. They had to listen and feel where the book was and then adjust everything accordingly so that they could get to the goal with with the book okay if the book fell off what did they have to do stop pick it up put it back on and carry on going it's exactly the same living a spirit-led life yeah exactly the same isn't that cool when we're we have got to learn how to walk sensitively to the Holy Spirit. We've got to learn to remember that He is in charge. Not our emotions, not what we want to do, not all our stuff, you know. Like, we have to learn, no, no, no. Holy Spirit, you are in charge. And no matter how much it costs me, if it's a 200 rand note, <laughs> thank you for that awesome testimony this morning. Hey, guys. What an awesome testimony. Um, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, you are in charge. It might, like, it might challenge my my courage. It might make me feel afraid to do it. It might, I don't feel like saying it. It might make me uncomfortable, but you are in charge. And I learn to walk in line with you. And if you're moving, I'm moving. If you're moving, I'm moving. And if for some reason something happens, suddenly I don't feel you anymore. I don't just carry on and leave you behind. I go back, I stop, I examine my life. Where did I go wrong? I take you back and I put you in your rightful place in my life and then I set out on my journey. All right? That's, a, that's, that's what living a spiritual life is about. That's what 
being led by the Spirit is all about. We have to learn to be sensitive with Him. We have to learn how to incorporate Him in our lives. Christianity is not about a whole bunch of laws that we have to obey. It's about living in an intimate, personal relationship with the Spirit of God, being led by the Spirit of God. Listen, there's nothing more exciting than living a Spirit-led life. You know, when you go from one level to a deeper level, you can't go back to shallow anymore, to, to those shallow waters. You know, if you've experienced God and, and He's anointing in a particular way and you've, you've felt Him leading you in conversations and decisions that you're making and every aspect of your life, man, it's hard to go back to that place where you don't feel or hear anymore. And sometimes it happens, and we're not really sure why, but sometimes it's sin, sometimes it's we step out of line, sometimes we go down our own roads, but the key is repent quickly, examine your life, hunger, thirst, invite Him back. Be like David who says, don't take your spirit from me, Lord. Come back into my heart. You're the most precious thing in my life. David knew he all of the achievements in his life was because of the Spirit of God. He knew all of that. Can I, I, I know I've probably told you this before. My testimony is this. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 14 at a Catholic youth group. Radically baptized. It was the most incredible experience. Thereafter, just having no discipleship and no sort of, I don't know, any sort of Christian culture in which to grow up in, I ended up at university. And at university, I always had God, I had His Spirit, I knew that He was with me, but I always wanted to do what everybody else was doing. And I knew that that was wrong, and they didn't see it as wrong, but I knew it was wrong, because this part of me was saying, no, don't do that. And, and so I, I had this horrible balancing act of wanting to do what my friends were doing, but having this spirit, this conscience with me. And eventually it got to the point where I, one day on my bed, I prayed, and I said, Lord, please leave me. Please leave me. I want to have fun. And I haven't told you this, eh? Okay. <laughs> and I felt the Spirit leave me. I literally felt, and the scariest thing was I was so happy. Because from that moment on, I could just go and do what I wanted to do with my life. The result was that my life plunged into absolute debauchery. My life plunged into every sin that you could imagine thereafter. Such brokenness, such emptiness to the point where I was in my bedroom and God came into my life and rescued me. And in that moment, I repented and I said I was sorry. And I saw heaven open and I felt the Spirit come back upon me. And I was, I'm, my story is the prodigal son. I had everything and I wanted what the world had. And I left it, and I went and experienced the world, and I came back broken and empty. <laughs> but I know today, if I know anything, I know this. I know Wayne without the Spirit of God. <laughs> Trish is like, oh, God. <laughs> and I know my life with the Spirit of God. What is the most valuable thing to me is the Spirit of God. I know if that goes off me, I know where my life goes. I know where it goes. And, and you know, I, almost in a way, it's like I would never have liked any of you to go through that. Almost in a way, I see God was like, you know, he built a testimony out of that. And, and I know, I know, when you take that spirit away, you take wisdom. You take understanding. You take insight. You take character. You take conscience. You take so much away. It's, you take life in itself away. What are we without the Spirit of God? Okay. Now, I know for a lot of us here this morning is you would agree with me and you know that, that God's Spirit is leading you and guiding you and prospering you and taking you on a journey. And that's awesome. And like, keep going. But let's go for deeper is what I'm saying. Let's go for deeper. I want you to know there's more. I want you to know that he can start leading your business. He can start leading your career. He can start leading your financial decisions. He, there is so much power that the Spirit has. It's, it's the gift of God to us to do life empowered. What does a Spirit-filled life look like? 
It looks like a fruitful life. This is what it looks like. We read last week in Ezekiel 47 um, about the river of God, talking about the Spirit of God. And it says this, it says, when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Can you read it with me? And it shall be that every that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live, and everything will live wherever the river goes. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's like a river. And, and, and when it's the sea that it's talking about there is actually the Dead Sea. Right? And um, I went and read up on the Dead Sea. You know, the Dead Sea is actually the lowest point on earth. The Dead Sea is the lowest point on earth. It's 1,300 feet below sea level. And there are rivers that flow into it, uh, actually sulfurous rivers and springs that flow into it, but no river flows out of it, and that's why they call it the Dead Sea. So there's this sulfurous rivers flowing into it, and there's a lot of um, flowing into it, but there's, there's nothing coming out of it, and it's on the lowest, and it's in a hot, arid place, and the result is that there's a lot of evaporation takes place, and water evaporates, but the salt remains. And the water in, in the Dead Sea is 26 to 35% salad. Salinity, all right? <laughs> Salty, all right? 26 to 35%. To give you an idea, tap water is less than 1%. And our ocean is 7%. So 26 to 35 In fact, the water is, because it's so salty, it's heavier than you. That's why you float in it. It sinks and you float if you jump into it. Right? You don't have to actually keep yourself afloat in, that, in the Dead Sea. If you went into it, it would keep, some of you are liking that idea. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's dead, okay? There is nothing growing in it, nothing living in it. In fact, here's, there's this picture of it, all right? I've, I've got a picture of the Dead Sea this morning. Even around it, there is no vegetation. There's, there's nothing. It's like Mars around it. You know, there's nothing living there. And really what the Scripture is trying to paint for us is that's a picture of your life without God. <laughs> the lowest point... No life in it, nothing growing in it, no fruit in it. That, and, but when the river touches the sea, it comes to life. And then what we see in Ezekiel 47 is just, just we see this flourishing of fish, and we see trees growing along its banks, and the trees have fruits. And, and that's really a, a picture of a spirit-filled life, spirit-led life. Everything in our world comes alive, we are healed, and we start to produce fruit when the Spirit of God comes upon us and into us. It's like every part of us that might be dead, dying, hurt, damaged, skewed by sin, faulty by sin, whatever, when the Spirit of God comes in, He just starts to heal every area of our life. How many of you experienced that? How many of you came into the kingdom like pretty broken and then <laughs> and God started rebuilding? Eh? That was the Spirit of God at work, returning you, redeeming you to what you should be in God. There's this, there's this amazing scripture in 2 Samuel 6 talking about the life of Obed-Edom. And... Um, and, it, and it's just, I, I put this in this point of a fruitful life because Obed-Edom actually wasn't an Israelite. And David was bringing the ark to Jerusalem and it wobbled on a cart and someone reached out and touched it and they were struck down by God and everyone was concerned about this. So David took the ark and he left it in this man's house called Obed-Edom. And the ark is really the presence of God. It's the Old Testament symbolism for the Spirit of God, the presence of God. So they put the ark in Obed-Edom's house. Amazing that he actually like took it in, all right? Not an Israelite. Takes the ark into his house and stays there for three months. And while it's there for three months, this is what happens. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Everything in his house began to flourish. 
And I don't know what that looked like. Maybe his crops, maybe his cattle, maybe his children, maybe his wife fell pregnant again. I don't know what, 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 what that looked like. You know, maybe contracts, tenders came in. I don't know. But, but it was significant enough that everybody could recognize it. Every, in three months, everybody could go, wow. And David knew then that he could now take the ark back to Jerusalem. So the ark now leaves Obed-Edom's house. Now, I want you to imagine that you're Obed-Edom this morning. All right? You've had three months of like ka-ching, ka-chow, ka-wow, you know? It's been incredible. And now David's coming back for this thing and taking it out. And there you are watching it and waving. And what are you going to do? Cry. <laughs> Follow it, say. Eh? It's very interesting that Obed-Edom does follow the ark. Obed-Edom leaves his house, takes his family, and follows the ark. And he says, can I have a job close to where that thing is? And they say, sure, you can be the gatekeeper. So he became the gatekeeper in the temple of the Lord. That's what He's just, so he became the gatekeeper. Then we read a little bit more about his life. Later on, we start to see that he became a musician. And he started to play in the worship team. And then, <laughs> and then he became a leader, a worship leader, and is mentioned along Asaph, which is one of the chief musicians, all right, that David appointed. He became a leader. And then we read a little bit later on that he, that he got, his wife had eight sons, and then they all had sons and children to, to, the vet, to the point where there were 62 of them, I think. And all 62 of them were gatekeepers, doorkeepers, musicians, leaders, all around the house of God. <laughs> and they were all capable, and they were all blessed and strong and mighty. There's this, this testimony about the might of this family. I think there's something in there for us. <laughs> it's like when, wherever the Spirit is going, what are we doing? Let's go with it. <laughs> Let's follow it. Where are we going to be fruitful? Where the Spirit of God is. Where are we going to be productive? Where are we going to be most happy? Where are we going to be most satisfied? Where the Spirit of God is. Then you read some of the Psalms and when you start to understand the context of the Holy Spirit in, in David's life, and you, then you start to read some of the Psalms that he wrote, I would rather be a gatekeeper, doorkeeper in the house of, God, of my God than dwell. Better is one day in your courts than 10,000 elsewhere. And when he sinned, take not your Holy Spirit from me. He had 40 years of peace in Israel. Why? Because of the presence of the Spirit of God. It's possible that you can cultivate that in your own life. It's possible that you can live in such a way that you can, you can enjoy the tangible, deep presence of God in all that you do. It's possible. You, it's, and and it's, it's a life you have to cultivate. It's a life you have to learn how to be sensitive to. It's, you have to learn how to get rid of things that the Holy Spirit doesn't want. Because let me tell you something, when he comes in, he's the Holy Spirit. So he doesn't like that. We have to get rid of things. We have to take them out. We have to take them out. We have to, and, and you can start to cultivate and build your business and build your home in such a way that, that he would love to rest there that the presence of God would love to be in there. Have you ever walked into some people's homes and you're just like, oh, it feels like heaven, it feels like home, it feels like peace, it feels like that's the Spirit of God, that they're cultivating something there. You, know? you can cultivate the same thing. So it looks like a fruitful life. It also looks like an empowered life. I mean... If you think about wind turbines for a moment, I mean, think about how much electricity these things generate. And they're empowered by the wind. The wind is blowing and it's propelling those things and, it's, and, we, and that's, all that energy is, pro, is producing power. And 
It's the same with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is there to empower us and propel us into our destiny. I, I want you to know this, that you, the destiny that, and the purpose that God has for your life is impossible in your own strength. And it will only frustrate you. And maybe it'll frustrate you to the point where you realize you need the Spirit of God and then go to and trust and cry out and learn how to cultivate and let the Spirit blow into your life. I hope it does. Otherwise, you can continue being frustrated and going with that. Oh, it's happening for everybody else. It doesn't happen for me. Complain, complain, complain. No, no. The destiny is way too hard. You'll never be able to get there in your own strength. It should be too big. If God, you know, if, if your dream for your, li- for your life, God's dream for your life doesn't scare you, then I don't think it's from God. <laughs> it's always more than what we're actually able to do in our own strength. Why? Because that's how he gets most glory. Why did he choose us here in this room this morning? Because we're so smart? No, he deliberately chooses what in the world is weak, what is low-born, what is insignificant. Why? So that the greatness of the glory may be of him and not of us. That's just the Bible right there. That doesn't give us any compliment right there. Hey, God didn't choose us and bring us into this kingdom because, oh, Wayne, you can talk so well. You can do this. You can do... No, he brought the lowborn, the insignificant, the rejected, the, the broken in. Why? So that he could take them to some place and then everybody will go, that was God. <laughs> that was God. Let's give God the glory. <laughs> so... What gets us from A to B? What gets us to our destiny is being empowered by the Spirit of God. We have to learn how to be empowered by the Spirit of God. Now to Him, let's read that scripture. Now to Him who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Ephesians 3.20. According to the that works where? What power is that? It's the power of the Spirit. The power. He can do way more than we can ask, think, or imagine according to the... You, you are carrying some power this morning. You are carrying some power this morning, and it enables the, the impossible. That's what it is there for, okay? So a spiritful life is a spirit-led life, is a, an empowered life. Not only that, it's a creative life. In Exodus 31, we read about how um, the Spirit of God comes in verse 3. It says the following, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. This is Bezalel. In wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. That word, to design artistic works, means curious works or inventive devices. And in all manner of workmanship, what it means is in any occupation with any material. (laughs) So the Spirit of God came on this guy and enabled him to be creative, inventive. I said, I want you to know, this is what the world needs. What, What does Durban need right now? We need creativity that comes from God. We need people in this city who can see the gap in the market. We, we need people in this, in this city who can see a way to make another hundred jobs. We need people who can take areas of our city and be creative with them and go, if we do this, this, and this, we can see things start to flourish. We need people on our campuses who can say, who can look with the eyes of God and say, you know what, I have an inventive solution here, right? That's what the Spirit of God is there for. It's to enable us to be creative. That illustration this morning, that was, that was just the creativity of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's just like waiting on Him, saying, Lord, how do you want to do this? Wayne, this is how it works. In a moment, I've got it. Okay, cool. That's how it works. Where does it come from? I wish I could say it was me and my, but I'm pretty, it was, it was God. It was a God-breathed little moment that I had, you know? And there are so many moments like that you could have like that in your job, in your career, in your home, just creative ways 
being creative, like the women were creative this weekend, hey? Girls, well done. Men, can we clap for the woman this, this morning? Can we? Hey, doesn't the church look so much more beautiful? They really, you girls did an amazing job. Well done. Looks awesome. But that's what, that's what the Holy Spirit does, is He brings creativity to our lives. Not only that, it's a courageous life. In Acts 4, we read about how the disciples were afraid and how the Spirit came upon them and gave them great boldness. What do you need courage for right now? What, what do you actually need? You need to go deeper with the Holy Spirit. It's a courageous life. Being able to stand up in the face of evil. Courageous life, being able to share the gospel. Courageous life, being able to take that step forward in your destiny that looks scary and start that business or do something that you know God's calling. It's courageous. We need to be courageous. In fact, we need, I think we need to preach some sermons on being courageous. We need courageous people in these days. Not people who are going to just maintain. We need people who will step out and do things. It's also a graceful life. A spirit-led life is a graceful life. What do I what do I mean by a graceful life? Well, I mean this is you know as we start to walk together as a community and if you like get involved in church and join a team or a ministry or, or something like that, it's not going to be long before you find someone in this church who's going to rub you the wrong way. <laughs> Someone's going to say something that's going to hurt you. You're not going to be invited to something where you think you should have been invited to something. It's going to happen. If it hasn't happened already, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen, all right? The more you get around people and the closer you get to people, you start to get rubbed the wrong way. Am I right? Come on. They, and, and we get irritated and we get like, well, why did they do that? And why are they so loud? And why are they so quiet? And why are they... You know, there's, there's always... Something, you know, <laughs> they, when we get close to people, we start getting rubbed the wrong way. In Scripture, the Holy Spirit is likened to oil. One of the properties of oil is that it reduces friction. That's what it does. And so I want you to, I mean, if you look at the world, okay, there is no way that, that the world can produce real unity, other than, like, we're all going to conform to a set of laws. That's the only unity it can produce. But even in that conforming to a set of laws, we still don't like each other in that process. But we're doing this, you know? That's the, that's the best the world can produce. God has called us for something way bigger than that. He's called us to be united in heart and spirit and to love deeply. He's, he's called us to forgive one another, be gracious to one another, be humble towards one another, to accept one another, to bear with one another in our burdens, to walk with people that are different to you. Yeah. How in earth is that possible? But the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I've experienced this so many times where there were relationships in my past where men... I was rubbed so the wrong way where all I wanted to do was go, snip, walk away. You live your life. I'm going to live my life over here. Just, but something inside of me just said, no, you can't do that. You may even have right to do that and stand it, but no, you can't do that. And the Holy Spirit is leading. And I've had to go to the Holy Spirit and say, help me. Help me to see this person as you see them. Help me to understand them the way you understand them. Give me grace. Let my words be seasoned. And you know what? I've experienced breakthrough in this. I've, I've experienced firsthand God actually where I wanted to snip somebody out of my life, where God has given me such a love for them, such an honor for them, such a respect for them, where they are so welcome in my house to this day. There, I I could not. If you could, if you heard me talk about them, I would say nothing but good things about them. They really, you know what I mean? Like He's really transformed my ability to walk with people. What was that? The Holy Spirit, and He enables us to have that grace-filled life. I mean, Trish and I are in a situation right now, I mean, just to let you know our world, where in our, in our neighborhood, we, we came aware of some injustice 
that was happening. And so we, we stepped out and we, we acted and we said, like, this can't, this can't happen. And, and the results of that was that there were clashes and camps and emails and, and misunderstandings all starting to fire to the point where I got an email last night, like at midnight saying, just attacking me as a person, saying that I'm railroading this process and I've got, you know, agendas, hidden agendas and just like really like, you know, really <laughs> coming at me, uh, just attacking. And you know what? In that moment, I'm going to be honest. All right. In that moment, it is very easy for me to go, well, let me tell you a thing or two. Da, 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 da. I, you said this over there, and you said that, and that last email was like this, and you have misunderstood, and you saying, I'm like this, but let me tell you something, you like this, and know what? Other people agree with me. There are like a lot more of us on this side than you on that side, and you know what? I all that flesh. <laughs> Just wants to like, you know, strangle the guy, you know? But... um and and I, and you know what I've 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 I, in my mind I've got these like three emails that I could write, but the Holy Spirit's going ah ah ah, no, no 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 no, you you write truth, in love, and you be graceful, and you respect. I'm like okay, help me, <laughs> help me Jesus. Send. Let me tell you something. After that, I just feel so good. I feel like, yay, this is what I want, you know? Because that the other thing of living in that without the Holy Spirit, at the leading of the Holy Spirit, it just, if you get so used to living with the Holy Spirit, it just becomes horrible. It just becomes like you don't want that life. You have to go back to being a graceful life. But He's here to help us walk together. Black, white, all right, Indian, colored, whatever we are, Swati, Pedi, Kosa, Zulu. You know, in, in the world, we, they can't happen but by the Spirit of God. But with the oil of God, with that grace, it can happen. It can happen, amen? Three amens, that's good. Time, time is marching away from us. I wanted to say that it's also a holy life. It's a hopeful life. It's a missional life. Maybe that's for another sermon in another day. But all I'm trying to say this morning is really the life that you're looking for is a spirit-led life. It's an empowered life. It's a graceful life. It's a fruitful life. It's a holy life. Maybe just something on the holiness, just so you go away with us. You know, there's a lot of commands in the New Testament. Be holy. Don't take part in sexual immorality. All of, all of these things are there. All of those are given in the context of a spirit-empowered church. They're not given as law as in the Old Testament. So for every do or don't do that you see in the New Testament, there is bucket loads of power to do that. God knows you, you can't do that in your own strength. Hence, the main character of the New Testament, the main character in our lives is the Holy Spirit. He knew Israel couldn't keep all of those laws for all those laws. So he said, you know what, i got a better plan. I'm going to pay the price for sin, and then I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and He will empower you to live a holy life. And so you'll live a holy life when you get out of the understanding where it's about do's and don't do's, and you start learning how to allow the Spirit to lead your life. As you start to get a hunger and a taste and a, and, a, and a desire for the Holy Spirit in your life, and you start to cultivate the Spirit's presence in your life and learn to be led by the Spirit of life, one day you're going you're gonna to go, oh, I used to battle. I used to, but I don't anymore because the Spirit has helped me with that anger. The Spirit has helped me with those thoughts. The Spirit has helped me in my unforgiveness. The Spirit has helped me. The Spirit is there to enable us to have that holy life. It's never something that we're meant to do in our own strength. Amen. My goodness. Come, let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's just... Let's take a moment and just 
Wait on the breath of God. Father, we just wait before you this morning. I want you to take a moment and try and imagine, try and imagine what is possible with the breath of God leading you. in all that you do. For some of you, I feel like the book fell off quite a while ago. <laughs> and, and you need to go back. Go to that secret place again and, and invite God's Spirit back into your life. Good news this morning is that we were never meant to do this on our own. It's way too hard. Many years ago, I got a prophetic word for my life which said, Wayne, the call on your life is such that you're going to have to wake up and pray every day. And, um, and I think that's actually the call on everyone's life, <laughs> to be honest already. And I've only, you know, I've really started to understand that. It's really helped me, this, this Breath of God series, has helped me realize how dependent we need to be on the Breath of God. It'll always be too much for you. It'll always be beyond you and your ability, the life that God's called you to live. You need the Breath of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Take a deep breath, people. This is heaven on earth. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Come fill your people this morning, Lord. Come fill your people this morning.